What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to the very first episode of Magical Thinking, the podcast for any and all magic enthusiasts. In Magical Thinking, I sit down with a performer or creator and discuss the nature of performance, creativity, authenticity, and more. It's a fun, philosophical, anecdotal exploration through the minds of magicians. Just so you know, the intro that you're listening to right now was recorded two years after this interview took place. I've learned a lot since my conversation with Dave about podcasting, so I encourage you to stick with the journey because I promise the editing and sound quality get better over time. However, that's not at all to take away from the quality of the discussion herein or in the next several episodes. Our guest for this episode is Dave Buck, co-founder of DanandDave.com, ArtofPlay.com, and ArtofMagic.com. And he's one of the reasons that you see commercials and viral videos on Facebook and YouTube of people shuffling cards. In the episode, we get into Dave's thoughts on the current magic landscape, the future of his companies, the art of cardistry, his thoughts on design and performance, and more. Dave is a dear friend, and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation together. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Magical Thinking Podcast and Art of Magic. Join our newsletter at artofmagic.com, and if you want to learn magic or become a better magician, check out the Ambassador Program on artofmagic.com. You'll get exclusive access to material that's never been released or is long out of print, and you'll also be able to message our team of experts directly. If you ever need some guidance or inspiration, we'll be there to help. Anyway, get into the episode, and if you have any magic-related questions or comments on the show, let me know what you think by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com. This is Dave Buck, the first episode of Magical Thinking. Enjoy. You suppose? <laughs> it's informal. It's laid back. I, this is I a conversation. I still don't know what the show is, so... This is the show. Because I've never heard one. We're just, we're just chatting. I'm hearing one now. <laughs> it's pretty good. Because you uh, have the earphones. I would listen to it. <laughs> uh, so, you're kind of... Um, no big deal. You're kind of a big deal. <laughs> Your apartment smells of rich dogs. mahogany. <laughs> Currently, it smells of dog, but usually rich mahogany. And you have many leatherback books. Um no, the you're kind of a big deal. So a lot of the questions, maybe not a lot of the questions, but some of the questions I want to ask you or that I want to talk about, you probably have answered in one form or another before. And I think it would be interesting if you gave a more, a less packaged approach. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> ready, Freddy. It's my birthday, and I have nothing better to do. <laughs> oh wow, that's some inside baseball. It's, it's it is okay. So this is the first episode. It is November, and because this won't launch until Art of Magic launches, we can talk about that. And I plan to talk about that. Oh yeah. So right now, that's that's top secret. Only a few people know about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start yeah. off with that, and then we can do all the boring stuff later. <laughs> okay. I don't think we should do anything boring. But oh, yeah. I was just I was just talking about how you got into. All the stuff you've oh, answered yeah. before. The questions I've answered before. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Get it. Well, yeah, I'm super excited about Art of Magic. And do you want to discuss a little bit about what that's going to be and, and why you think it's important, not only for the Dan and Dave brand to sort of branch out from it, but also um, important for the magic community at large? 
Yeah, art of art of magic. I almost said art of play. <laughs> I know. I caught myself doing that's that earlier. A, that's another website. Um, but art of magic has been a long time coming. Uh, it's been part of a, a much grander vision for Dan and I to take our own brand, uh, Dan and Dave, in a completely different direction than where we've been uh, where we've been at the last ten to fifteen years. It's actually been 13 years today since we launched DanandDave.com. But before that, we had PasteboardAnimations.com, where we sold our first VHS videotape on flourishes. So we've had a website. We've had an e-commerce website for uh, most of our life. Actually, I can say that for about 16 years. So more than we've been alive, we'd have, we've had an uh, e-commerce website. And we didn't know what we were doing when we got started. Um, we knew it was just a lot of fun. We were having a great time, and we were making some money. In fact, we made enough money to travel to as many conventions as we wanted to. So uh, it taught us, you know, valuable lessons in business and marketing, and you know, it allowed us to express ourselves through uh, merchandise and make some money on the side. So it was really nice, and eventually it turned into a business and a brand. And that's all uh, what you know about DanandDave.com up until this point. And several years ago, we, we got really into, uh, we just started recognizing like what, what we really were into, our passions. And of course, our passions are magic, and specifically sleight of hand and cardistry, but also in fashion. And uh, I think any visual art uh, really appeals to us. We love movies. We love architecture, we love photography, we love fashion, we love cardistry. These are all visual art forms uh, that allow the artist or the creator to express themselves through a physical medium. And that, that really appeals to us. So uh, any of those things are things we'd like to explore. And we'd like to turn Dan and Dave, our brand, into an avenue where we can explore those on a much broader scale. Uh, right now we focus in on our, our target market, which is young magicians. There are a few older seasoned veterans that uh, follow us, and we really appreciate that. But primarily our market is uh, a younger audience. And uh, we've embraced that and uh, marketed to them. And it's not that we don't care about them anymore. It's just that we've matured and we want to move on. And Unless we're doing something that we're absolutely enjoying, there's no point in doing it. So we've decided to not leave behind uh, our, our audience, but to create something entirely new and to create something that we would want if we were just getting started in magic and cardistry. So what art of magic will be, or what it is, I guess, if you're listening to this, is a... Uh, it's, a, it's, it's magic's new frontier. It's a frontier for the art of magic. And I say that because it really is for the art of magic. Uh, it's always been our goal from the very start to advance the art. And we've uh, everything we do sort of contributes to our vision for what magic is. It's very personal. And uh, that's sort of what has like inspired us to create the magic we create. And we have, like, there's no... Nothing holds us back in what we release. We release pretty much everything, and we don't care what people think. And 
Some people like it and some people don't. And it's worked really well for us. So what Art of Magic will be is sort of, uh, it'll backbone off that idea, but also allow other artists. So whereas Dan and Dave has focused on our vision, Art of Magic will allow other artists, other young magicians, young and old, to, uh, to use the platform to express their own ideas of magic. Um, so we think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a digital marketplace, or is a digital marketplace, to, to come to and learn about magic, to, uh, to watch some great magic, to sell your magic. You can sell your magic and make money on the side, just as we did growing up. So that's pretty much, in a nutshell, like the very simple description of it, just a digital marketplace for magicians. Sure. I, I'm super, well, I, <laughs> currently I'm excited about it, but of course when the listeners are hearing this, it'll be s- still excited about it, but also proud of it probably. But uh, <clears throat> So <laughs> that was a very long and eloquent answer. Which is fine. Well, I wanted to set up, like, why we're creating a, a brand new experience. No, no, no. And that's, no, I, of course. And that's great. And I just want to, like, go back and dive into some of the parts of that answer that I'm interested in exploring on this podcast. So, I, I you started off with pasteboard animations and talking about, you know, being young and funding your magic obsession with your moves. What what was it like growing up in a small town? Because I come from a small town in Louisiana where I didn't have anybody to, you know, bounce off of, essentially. Um, and you and Dan had, as far as I you know, understand it, a similar situation except that you guys had each other to challenge yourselves. Yeah. So what I mean what was what was that experience? Why did first of all I guess we're just going to dive into it. Why how did you get into magic? You know, what what was it that you saw being in Sonora, California, like a little town in the hills? <laughs> what was it that you saw that caught your attention and captivated you? Uh, I think I was intrigued, just like most young young people who see magic for the first time or see a, a special on TV of, you know, David Copperfield or, um, you know, it's, it's intriguing and it's, you know, it's, for, for me, I, I was always into like sports and skateboarding and snowboarding and eventually eventually that i think influenced and led to the technical side of my interest in magic um but i think right off the bat i was interested in the technical side of illusions i i started out with an interest in being an illusionist you know i was i was very drawn to what david copperfield did in his tv specials uh, just really fascinated fascinated me not for what it was and what it uh, how it entertained but I wanted to know how these things worked I knew there was a secret to them I didn't believe in magic um, you know that was you know of course I believed in magic when I was a kid like Santa Claus but by the time I really got interested in 
in Magic. I think I was 11 years old. And I knew that what David Copperfield was doing on TV was a trick, and I, and I wanted to know the secret. The secret was what was most interested me. So that's why I got into magic. I, I remember uh, from then asking my parents for uh, some magic stuff. And, you know, I started out with the basics, like a couple things you'd find at a magic store. I think some of the first tricks I ever received were a mirror box where you put in a plastic bunny and you made it disappear. And uh, this other illusion called stratosphere where you would uh, magically make uh, colorful balls disappear in a, a cylinder and it would change the order of the balls I think as well so things like that those were some of my first tricks and uh, and soon after Dan got interested in magic and we did a couple birthday parties together we did some shows and that didn't last very long uh, eventually we discovered card magic I don't know why uh, we didn't know about card magic sooner <laughs> I think we knew a few card tricks, like the 21 card trick. Classic. Yeah, Classic trick. It wasn't until David Blaine's special that we were introduced to sleight of hand card magic. And uh, having a keen interest in uh, mechanics and how things work, that really appealed to me because it was accessible. You know, vanishing the Statue of Liberty or floating a woman on stage, those aren't accessible for most 12-year-olds. <laughs> I say most because certainly there are some with, uh, you know, parents with unlimited resources, but uh, I didn't, and a deck of cards, for me, unlocked all that potential and all of that uh, that opportunity to explore a technical side of card magic. So that's what really captivated, captivated me, and I think is why I continue to only have an interest in technique. I'm not at all interested in performing. Uh, I just love technique and I love to practice and I love coming up with new ways of accomplishing uh, an illusion or something cool with playing cards. Well, I, I, you say you're not at all interested in performance and I, I certainly understand that you're speaking personally and for yourself as far as not being interested in performing. But you have incredible insight into what makes good magic and what makes good anything. Um, you, you have an incredible sense of, of style. And we, we recently wrote something for uh, Half, Hel Half, Man. Half Half Man Quarterly, uh, their journal, discussing style, elements of style, um, aesthetics, beauty, and I. Well, I think it, it, it's like this. You know, you have you have film critics who who understand movie making. They understand storytelling. They they have such a deep understanding of it. You know, in some cases, deeper than a writer. You know, there there could be you know any Joe Schmo could come along and write the next great movie. And you know that's a coincidence. It's like no no experience before. It just it just happens. But that doesn't make him a great filmmaker. Um, but like critics, you know, they they really understand the deeper meaning of storytelling and how to portray that on film. And they they know a good movie from a bad movie. And of course, it's an opinion. But in some ways, it's not. There is structure to what works and what doesn't. 
And I, I think it's a lot like that. Like, I'm not... I have no experience in performing, but I do know what appeals to me. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, you have to understand what you like, and once you do that, then you have a deeper understanding of that on both sides. So for me, I've seen countless performances. You know, I, I live very close to the Magic Castle. I've, I started going to magic conventions when I was 12 years old. You know, you go to a magic convention, you see 20 performances in a weekend, and, you know, you multiply that by hundreds, that's thousands of magic performances. And I, and I think I've seen thousands of magic performances, unfortunately. <laughs> but maybe not so, because now I've, I've identified with what I really like about a magic performance and what I really don't like. And it's, it's very personal, but I think it appeals to a commercial audience because it works. Well, I think... Yes, you're right, I agree. Um, I think one of the things that makes your insight special is that you have like um, an inherent understanding of when something is natural, when something feels inevitable, when it feels right... Um, and that you know that's demonstrated in your interior design, your architectural sensibilities, graphic design, things like that. Um, how did you cultivate that you know sense of style? I think it. To be honest, it all began with my first Mac, <laughs> and uh, I I have to thank Chris Kenner and Kathy Bailey for this. Uh, they're two friends I've known for a long time, and uh, they. They gifted me, and Dan, but I'll talk about me, um, my first Apple computer. And uh, it was actually my first computer. It was a MacBook Pro. This was back in uh, 2001, maybe, 2000. I was still in high school. And uh, with it, it, it came with, like, Photoshop and Illustrator and Final Cut Pro. And they were really into design and interior design and furniture and and art, and I was just really inspired by what they were doing for, uh, they worked for David Copperfield, with what they were doing for him, and I would ask them to teach me, and they taught me those programs, and they introduced us to uh, graphic design, and furniture design, and all these things, and we, and we loved it, uh, we just sort of absorbed as much as we could of it, I don't know why, um, it just really appealed to me. And uh, it still really appeals to me. And uh, that's sort of where it all began. <laughs> I think so. there's I think there's something to be said for... I, what, you know, what is it? What is it that, like... Maybe, I, you know, what I, I really respect uh, and, you know, admired what Chris and Kathy were, were doing. Um, in a way, you know, they were working for the greatest illusionist of all time. And, uh, you know developing and designing and creating for him. And that was something I, I think I aspired to to do back then. And I, and I wanted to learn everything that they knew. And uh, that was something that they were really into. And I think it led to just me becoming very, very interested in uh, the world of design and all its subcategories. Facets. It's many yeah. facets. Yeah, yeah. And that still holds true to this day. Like I, I love, I love design, and I think design can live in anything and everywhere. And everything is designed, you know, from 
our experience driving on the freeway to eating a bowl of cereal. It's like there there is design to everything, and I'm always thinking about what would I do. And uh, well, I, I mean, I just want to interject like two very personal things for you right there. You live in Los Angeles, so driving on the highway, and I have seen you put down some cereal, so. <laughs> I love those examples that you gave. Well, it's true. I mean, people don't think about it, but whatever you're doing right now, listening, look, this podcast is designed. Uh, it it has it has a concept, and there's a way about it, and you know, you're listening to it for what the creator intended, and you know, there's design to it. Everything is designed, and I, I love that that control, and I love that that freedom at the same time, you know? Well, so just to get back to like how that, how that starts, you know, you were talking about Kathy and Chris being into this seemingly cool stuff. You didn't really know a lot about it, Yeah, but it it was was like, you liked what they were. Yeah. It was like neat stuff, but you liked what they were doing and you aspired to be like them. And sort of do what they were doing. And so it makes sense to want to learn about the things that they were versed in. But but how how do you become then ensnared by good design? That's like that's the, the next level kind of Well look, when I when I started playing around with Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop, I was not good. When I got my first camera and started taking photos, they were not good. You know, we I believe we all start out at best mediocre. You know, of course there are a few very gifted people that can, you know, play a you know, a masterpiece on a piano from like never touching a piano before. I watched a two year old girl solve a Rubik's Cube in seventy seconds earlier today. That is yeah, there, insane. There are situations and they're they're miraculous and they can't be explained. But for for moguls <laughs> Um, you know, we, we have to start somewhere and we, we only start where we are introduced. And, uh, for example, you know, I, I started with a couple very basic books on learning those programs and learning about photography and learning about filmmaking. And then from there, you know, you advance to, you know, more intermediate and then advanced books or advanced resources. And along the way you meet, you know, amateurs and then you meet some some professionals and then you meet some experts and it's only as you progress up the ladder that you can develop or become better um i think there's an alternative to that and the alternative to that is to just start under the direction or coaching of an expert um that's not accessible to everyone and that's that's rare um and that's why most of us start at the beginning but uh, if you have an opportunity to, to learn from a, a master of their craft by starting out. It's just, you know, you you will develop skills just so fast. I, I mean, I, I've seen it happen. I'm seeing it happening with uh, cardistry right now. It's just, you know, your, your base where you start has everything to do with how fast you can progress. I believe that. Um, but anyway, for me, I, I started out at the very, very bottom of the, the ladder or whatever you want to call it. And I'm still learning, you know. I've never had any formal training in in what I do, 
is just all through trial and error and experience and study. And I think the best thing to do is just to look at as look at as many things as possible. You know, in the same way I've tuned my eye for a good magical performance, I've tuned my eye for for good design or a good photograph or good architecture. And it's just by having seen thousands or maybe millions of of designs. Tuning your eye, that's such a great Yeah, you have to you really have to identify with what appeals to you and you have to always question well why why does that appeal to me um what does it add what does it what could be taken away and once you start to ask those questions then you can really you know you really can fine tune what's good and what's not and from there you can start creating masterpieces um you know because you'll know you'll be able to identify with that you know idea that you've learned through looking at and observing other pieces for yourself. It's like a, one of the books that we reference in the quarterly article that we wrote is Walter Murch's In Pursuit of Elegance. Oh, not Walter Murch. Uh, Matthew Mays. <laughs> I was thinking. That was the other book. <laughs> yeah, that was the other book that we uh, the blink of an eye. Yeah. In the blink of an eye. Uh, Matthew Mays, In Pursuit of Elegance. And there's a quote in there that references uh, Michelangelo that says... Uh, perfection is not when there's nothing more to add. Perfection is when there's nothing more to take away. Something along that lines. I'm probably yeah, yeah. butchering the phraseology. But that's the sentiment behind it. Is that, you know, simplicity kind of gets into someone's bones as much as it does intrigues the eye or the mind. Yeah. It's kind of infectious. And maybe that sort of answers the question as to why you were you became so interested in in design is because it's an infection. Maybe it's like magic. It's just a bug that bites you. No, yeah, I, I think it, it is a bug. Otherwise, I would lose interest, you know. Um, and there's never, like, an end goal. You know, I don't like to think of... I don't believe in perfectionism only because that's something that realistically you could achieve and I don't think you could ever achieve um, I don't think you could ever achieve perfectionism uh, it's just I don't know it's weird <laughs> um, so I don't look at it like that I just look at it as something I'm, I'm very fascinated in and there's there's more than enough knowledge to last me a lifetime and I'm happy with that so. well I just speaking personally one of the reasons that I'm interested in design is and this is kind of like a, a, a not something I'm terribly proud to admit, but I'm also not ashamed of it either. Is the the idea of like making yourself a better person by, um, you know, creating an idea of uh, for me the man that I want to be. I want to be well versed in art and architecture and. I want to be able to make coffee with my hands, and I want to, you know, have leather-bound books and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> read you, philosophy. And we are the designers of our life. I mean, we can be certainly. And it, yeah, it's it's that kind of, you know, I one of the reasons I I like design is because it is kind of one of those things. It's a luxury. Design is a luxury, as much as it is a tool. But like really great design, for example. That Eames plywood chair, when it came out in the 50s, 
it was like, this chair's $25. It's made by an expert craftsman. It's super cheap. It's super light. It's super, to take, super easy to take care of. And the design hasn't changed in 60 years, but the price has, you know, increased tenfold because it's been acknowledged as good design. So as much as it is a tool and something simple, it's something that is a luxury. And and so that is, you know, something I want to be a part of my life as this, this person that I create in my head that I want to be appreciates the design. And to appreciate something, you have to know about it and study it. And yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah. Is that, do you kind of feel that that may be a little bit of what... I... I agree with that, and I also agree that we can appreciate what we don't understand. Um, oh, of course, yeah. It's just it's just different. There's a different different level of appreciation. Um, I I am interested and appreciate almost anything that I can recognize a lot of attention, a lot of detail, a lot of time uh, was put into, whether it's. Uh, an expertly crafted piece of furniture, even if I don't know if it was expertly crafted, if I can sense that it was, if I feel that it was. It is a sensation, I agree. Yeah, it's a sensation. Or like sciences, you know, I don't know anything about physics or mathematics. Like, you know, these these are worlds way beyond me, but I love, I love, like, seeing them in use and I love learning about what they can do and I, I, I admire them and I appreciate them but I don't know anything about them so I think you can you can uh, you can live on opposite ends of what you know about something and still appreciate it sure 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 what do you think I, I guess it's just kind of luck or happenstance or, you know, just the the path of life. And, it, you know, we may disagree on the whys about it, but just how you came to be a magician, a cardist, a designer, instead of a mathematician, a, a, a scientist, a, an astronomer. I th- I, I just, you know... I don't think it, I don't think it's it's there's anything to say about you know you couldn't be those things or do those things, and I think that that speaks to your appreciation of those things as well. No, I I believe I could have been, and I you know I I believe anyone is capable of anything. Um, this is what this is what I chose to do, uh, and and I love doing it, and that's why I still do it. Um, if I wanted to do something else, I would. You know, I'm not I don't at all. Have, People held back. Um, even now, you know that I'm, you know, I guess I'm not very old, but I'm I'm 31, and you know, if if I was if I really wanted to, I you know I I could go back to school, or you know I could become a doctor and whatever whatever that involved. Um, I don't at all feel restricted, um, and I don't think anyone should. I think sure. as long as you're doing what you you like doing, then that's all that matters. No, of course. Yeah. Um, I forget what the question was. <laughs> I don't even know that there was a question. Okay. I think I was just yeah talking. Um, 
Uh, oh, it was about the the admiration of those things that you weren't that you didn't pursue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I think that just goes to to speak to a well-roundedness of the individual, and that oh, that is something that I I can never stress enough when I'm talking about magic is that you have to be able to, and I'm totally stealing this from uh, comedian comedy. But but you have to live a life worth commenting on. So if you're going to do magic and you're going to perform for people, it doesn't matter if you're on a stage in front of 2,000 people or you're in front of one person in a dark room. It doesn't have to be dark, but you know what I mean. Is that you have to – you're not – it's not about the trick. The trick can be cool and – the trick can be appropriate in, you know, some times and places, and maybe that's what the person needs or wants. But if you're going to be a magician, to me, it, it, it feels like you should, you know, live a life worth commenting on. Be in, inspiring, be interesting, be magical outside of tricks, outside of magical apparatus or uh, chicanery of sorts. You know, be um, interesting. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I, for me, what I when I watch, what I love about a well, a great magical performance for me is everything about the character. My favorite magicians are characters. My favorite magicians are Matt King and Rob Zabrecki and David Blaine. And, you know, to some extent, Ricky Jay. Um, I just, I love the way that they come off and the story they tell on stage. It's, it's otherworldly and it's, it, it takes you out of reality right away and they don't even have to do anything. You know, it, it's not the tricks. The tricks are cute. The tricks are entertaining. But even more than that, I just want to... I just want to like see more of them. I just want to see more of that character they've created. I, I love that world they bring us into. And uh, what I don't like is a magician on stage just making everything about the tricks they do. And I see this all the time at the Magic Castle. And uh, and granted, you know, it's you're limited by time, and you you know you're not allowed to change the the set decoration and you know you're restricted to your environment and a bunch of drunk people so you know i i do give them the benefit of the doubt but i've seen it done in the at the castle and i've seen it done quite a number of times you can do a great performance but it shouldn't be about a display of of tricks it shouldn't be about look what i could do it has to be deeper than that and um i'm not sure why other than i know how i feel when it is and it feels, you know, I feel like a little kid. I, I'm taken away, and I'm not looking for method. I'm not scrutinizing. I'm not critiquing. It's just, uh, um, it's like getting lost in a good movie, you know. So that's to me what makes a, a great magical performance. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's. I uh, I just am thinking about I was at the castle last night and I saw the great captain and that's a t totally 100% character performance there, he doesn't speak 
Um, it's all set to music and, and things. It's kind of the bumbling magician sort of act, but it's done in such a way that there's so much apparent skill, like obvious skill that he shows with different stunts during the act that it, it makes it all the more hilarious when the trick doesn't work or the prop fails or whatever. And I, I was watching it last night and I was just like so enthralled. I was smiling from ear to ear. It was just really refreshing to see something that was um, fun and and good magic. Something that, you know, was fooling and I wasn't expecting what was happening and it was just it was a great show. And I don't know anything about that guy. So when I say, you know, live a life worth inter that's interesting, live a life worth commenting on, that's more for, you know, the magicians that want to do spoken <laughs> spoken words essentially. But even then there's a naturalness and there's a realness that you have to be able to exhibit when you're performing and I think a lot of people don't know how to exhibit some emotions because they are only focusing on magic and not living a life worth commenting on yeah and I mean granted there it takes a long time and I, and I know this because the magicians that I, I really admire didn't always i mean they they didn't start out as great as they are <laughs> you know they have a lot of experience under their belt and uh it was either magic or some other field that they they, they learned from that contributes to uh, where they're at currently with their magic performances so you know i i like to recognize people that are are doing something different i don't always judge a magic show um as the the feeling I get, although those are the those are some of my favorite, I I still love watching a magic show to see a good trick. You know, even if it is just a trick, I I still can admire and appreciate that. Um, so there's different reasons I watch magic shows. I'm not always looking for that perfect show, uh, so I don't want to feel like <laughs> I don't want to come off like I'm just. Super critical on magic shows because no, 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 of course I'm not. I'm I'm just saying that when I see a great show, I like it's a feeling, and um, I know right away. Um, but usually, I'm just going into I don't know. I I, I love magic. I, I like watching magic. But don't you want to be surprised? Don't you want to be? You know, you you like you said, you you don't know why. You go to see no, them. I do, I do, and and a lot of times I come out just that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean that's but what you I have mean. to you, put. You want to be surprised. Yeah. You want to be, uh, you want to be um, rewarded for putting faith into spending your time with. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's and that's why usually I don't see a show. I won't go to the castle unless I'm referred like to, uh, unless a friend of mine tells me, oh, you got to go see this act. Um. So, you know, there's a little bit of a filter in what I see, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be, I don't know what I was going with that. Well, no, I, I, you know, and I don't want to say, I'm just going to jump in the boat there with you. I, I don't want to say either that there isn't a place for neat tricks 
there isn't a place for, you know, what some people term masturbation magic. That you know, yeah, that's, maybe, maybe there's the magic definitely was a place for that. <laughs> there's well, there's definitely, I mean, a spot for that in this art craft, you know, whatever your belief system is regarding that. Um, but I, I definitely think that there's a place for cool tricks and and neat things and fun ideas. But I think when you're talking about magic, you, you, you kind of have to define what magic is before you can attempt to be a magician. So if magic to you is, you know, uh, neat tricks, I wouldn't call you a magician. I would call you like everybody's creepy, touchy uncle. <laughs> or, or you know... Um, a hobbyist or, you know, something like that. Uh, yeah. And that, you know, I think that goes into the whole, are you a magician? Are you an entertainer? Are you a blah, blah, blah? I think it's all about defining what magic is. Yeah. And it's different for everyone, you know. So some people think they're great and all the more power to them, you know. If you're an expert magician and you really believe that, and I would argue the opposite, then... <laughs> You know, that doesn't matter. All that matters is what you think, so. Well, and that's kind of a question I want to pose is, doesn't it matter? I mean, what what is the... What is no, the... I, I don't think so, because, you know, it comes back to our discussion, you know, a little bit ago about um, just, you know, like, I, I do what I do because it... it it's awesome, and I, I enjoy what I'm doing, and I have the freedom to do whatever I want, and I do that. But so the difference is you're, that you're not affecting people. But I am. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, just let me finish. You're most definitely affecting thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not walking up to people and saying, I'm a magician, and then showing them a bad trick and leaving a bad taste in their mouth. That's not what you do, and there are people that do that. And so my question is... Even if they enjoy that, is that something that the magic community should be okay with, or should we rise above that? Should well, we, we don't know. To... We don't always know what their audience thinks. You know, for us as trained, you know, we're trained to identify with great magic and whatever that even means. Like, you know, we great magic to us is a, you know it's been conditioned by our peers and what we read in magic books and our our experience but for someone brand new to magic they might think you know the most hideous trick we could ever see is just a beautiful piece of magic for them you know we have no idea what's going on in their mind and so i think for us to critique someone um it's kind of pointless i don't know well, I mean, sure. If you're exposing secrets, if you're if you're if you're going up on stage and you're exposing secrets, and uh, that's that's just ignorant. I don't know. I don't know what else you would say. Like you shouldn't be doing that. But well, I mean, just the same way that you can say that's bad design, you can say that's bad magic. I don't think you have to know what the spectator is actually thinking. I don't think you have to ask them to be able to. Well, say like, they deserve better. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. But there's, so for me, there's bad design everywhere, and of that course. that doesn't mean it's bad design. That just means 
I think it's bad design. But it it works. It clearly works. And there are there are people and clients who who think it's good design. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. So I I'm just you know I'm my own filter. I have my own opinions, and that doesn't change what anything is. It's just it changes my point of view, and that's all it changes. That's just the the phrasing, the words are identical. It's bad design, but it works. It's, you know, it's the same thing that people, I, I was with, I don't want to name the other guys that I was with, but I was at a convention in uh, Dallas, Texas, and this magician, this local magician, who didn't even know about the convention from, you know, it was a private invite sort of thing, just came to the hotel and sort of crashed the thing, and myself and two other magicians are sitting in the hotel uh, lobby, and he walks up and... You know, he's like, oh, hey, are you guys magician? Yeah, sure, blah, blah, blah. He shows us a trick. Terrible. So bad. The worst trick I've ever seen. Period. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the 21 card trick. It was like, he thought he was steamy poo. He thought he was hot stuff. <laughs> was doing, and, and I know this is a podcast, but I'm doing air quotes. He was doing flourishes, which was really just, his excuse for um, exposing the method to an ambitious card routine because uh, he wasn't good at doing a Herman pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it was so bad, and so I he's like, "What did you think?" And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course." I was like, "I thought it was terrible. It was it was straight up bad." And he's like, "Well, I think magicians." think too deeply about you know what their spectators think and you know if it works it doesn't matter if it's you know blah 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 and I was just like are you kidding me right now like yeah if this guy and I pointed to the guy I was with went up and did the same trick that you did just the way that he would do it normally there's no question in my mind that the audience would be Worshipping his feet, you know, if their only other comparison was you. So, yeah, there's like, it does matter, and your spectators do think about what's good. And even if they don't consciously think about it, they know, they feel, they have that sensation of good design. They have that sensation of this feels natural, this feels inevitable. Well, yeah, and I think everyone should strive to, to be better, whatever whatever that is. I just think a lot of magicians, like you described, um, how would I? I mean, they're. I think they're doing it for the wrong reasons, and they don't even know that. Um, you know, and it, or maybe they're not, but they're they're definitely ignorant. Because if you're if you're serious about your craft, whatever it is, you you will identify with experts in that craft and you can identify with experts because they are you know they are accepted by society as as experts or you know the critics rave of their of their uh, their teachings or their their pieces you know like you can find experts in any craft and if you're not actively seeking out and studying them and figuring out what they're doing and what works for them and why they're doing that then 
your magic isn't going to grow or your your own skill or your own art or craft or whatever isn't isn't going to grow like you you have to always be like working to improve and clearly that magician you described is like he's never seen a great triumph maybe you know maybe he has and he's just blind but i would bet if he saw one and he he was coming from a place of how can i improve how can i be a better magician does my version of triumph actually work how is it different why why is it you know like asking the questions why and how and um I don't think he's doing that. It doesn't sound like it. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me like if he was, he would realize that there's a, a far superior way of going about that routine to get a much uh, greater effect, and he'd be working at uh, doing something like that. Sure. So, and okay, so if someone is striving to improve, striving to get better, what's the goal? What's, what are they striving toward? What makes good magic? Well, it, for one million dollars, what makes good magic? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Me either. I don't think anybody does. And I think it's all subjective. Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely like a huge layer of subjectivity, but um, I think there is. Look, like we we know in music what what sounds good, like you know. Like, there's there's patterns and you know the same with you know storytelling you know there's like there's patterns that move us that make us feel and it's and maybe it's because of like evolution and how we've been like trained as humans to respond to certain emotions and certain visuals certain um, drum beats yeah all all of that you know i think all of that contributes to how we respond but it works so if you're an artist and your and your mission is to entertain, such as a, a magician, you know if if that's your purpose, if you want to entertain and be popular and make a lot of money, then recognize that there are patterns and there are there is structure to making people feel and selling tickets because it's used in advertising all the time and it's why. You know, the most successful companies are the most successful because they use these techniques that already exist. They use the psychology. They use the, the visuals. They, they, they know, know how to communicate. They understand communicating and they embrace it and they use it to their benefit. It is used to their benefit. They're not chi- trying to change the wheel. They're doing what works because it works, you know. Apple doesn't do a lot of very innovative things. They just do them better than everyone else. Um, they're they're doing what works, but they're doing it in a way that feels inevitable. Yeah, it's it's stylish and it appeals to a very particular demographic, and they embrace that, and it, it works out really well for them. So, as magicians, you could do the same thing. You know, who's your audience? First of all, who do you want your audience to be? You know, if you're Steve Cohen and you want to perform for the rich, well, that's your audience. So, guess what? Dress like a millionaire, act like a millionaire perform magic fit for a millionaire and that's exactly what he does and he's super successful you know he's the millionaire's magician because that's what he set out to be so you have to identify with first and foremost who you want to be who you want to perform for and then just follow through with that you know make sure you stay on track because who knows what that that magician that did triumph for 
for everyone last night. Like, I, I guarantee if you asked him those questions, he, he doesn't really know. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. Well, and that, you know, what you just said about knowing who you are and knowing who you want to be and who you want to perform for goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, or what I was talking about earlier, is wanting to know design and know literature and know philosophy and be able to make coffee with my hands. I'm going to keep coming back to that because I'm most proud of that skill probably. <laughs> That's a life-changing thing. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's it's that kind of... That old school. Yeah, there's, there's a com- you. You have to commit. Like you look, you you have an idea for the design of your life and your lifestyle, and it'll be that. It'll be that if you commit to it. You know, like look, you wanted to make coffee, so you learned to make coffee, and that's it. Now that's part of your lifestyle. So if you want to be a good magician, well then, what makes a good magician? First of all, who are good magicians, and then be like that. Emulation is the purest form of flattery. Yeah, and and in doing so, you'll flatter your peers. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Unfortunately, magic isn't so keen on on that, which, yeah. We should talk about that. (laughs) We should talk about that. Hey, lead the discussion. Go ahead. You're the expert. I'm sitting here learning with along with the other listeners. Well, no, I mean... That is kind of a farce, don't you think? We all stand on the shoulders of giants. There's nothing... I, the whole idea of... We do. And one of, the, one of my biggest... Uh, um, peeves? Yeah, peeves, I guess. About the culture of magic. Particularly, uh, you know, there there's a crowd of magicians and you know i think i can't think of any that are female they're mostly men um that sort of you know are considered experts you know they they've been doing it for a long time they studied with the greats you know di vernon larry jennings and uh they have this immense knowledge of the art not all of them perform and most all of them are very resistant to to share, and I think that is a huge fault, and is what and is holding magic back in a big way. And I can give a, a counter example to how it works so well to just share in other in other arts. I mean, very very recently, you have to look at the 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 new art of cardistry. There's no secrets to cardistry, and it's blowing up. It's it's advancing exponentially. Like, and I know this firsthand because I've been involved in cardistry since the very beginning, since before it was even called cardistry. And I've seen it progress, and I've seen I've seen the innovation, and I've seen the passion, and I've seen just the creativity spread like wildfire across the world. And it's because there is an openness, there's a community of sharing, and there's no secrets, and there's no elitism, and there's no there's no reason to hold back. Everyone just gives it their all and are constantly, continually trying to advance the art, challenging themselves, challenging each other, and not being afraid to do something new. And Look what's come of it. You know, we have a brand new art form that is just from almost nothing into, you know, something that is changing kids' lives all over the world. You know, it's just 
it's amazing. And it, I can't imagine what magic would be like if there was that level of community, that level of sharing. You know, if the youngsters of magic could go and, you know, be comfortable talking to the experts of magic. Or if they, you know, were willing to share their knowledge in books. You know, it's rare that we have that level of experience, uh, you know, these days in you know in a book in a textbook and you know there's and i'm sure there's immense knowledge that could really advance the art i don't know i'm not one of them <laughs> but uh you know i could think of so many people in the art that are resistant to share and you know i know they share amongst their community but that's the thing it's a very tight community and what good is a tight community you know there are so many fresh minds that could you know, take something and just look at it a completely different way and perhaps solve a major problem. And uh, I, I wish that magic was more open to, to sharing. And uh, I know it is a secretive art because, you know, magic relies on the mystery. But you know what? I think you can still have both. I think there can be an open community for magicians... And in a way, that's what I hope Art of Magic turns into. I really do want want it to feel like a uh, an open community, like a closed community for magicians. Look, we, we take magic seriously. You have to, you know, there's don't reveal the secrets to your audience because that that ruins the the mystery and the appeal of magic. I, I do believe that. But if you're interested in the art form, if you have a serious interest in magic and you want to grow as a magician. It should absolutely be accessible. It should be accessible. And, you know, our... I think, you know... Thankfully, I think the mentality and the way of being is changing with uh, with our generation. It's very much open source. Look, like, we've been raised with, with Napster and Torrents. And, you know, everything is accessible and available and for sharing. And I think, you know... That is what is leading to the singularity. You know, if you if you believe that, I mean, it's gonna happen. There's no no doubt. no. I hey, I believe it too. But it's because of that sense of of sharing and that openness. And you know, you never know who can see something differently and change the world. And you only get there if you share. So I think it's important. Yeah, I, I do as well, and your, your cardistry example is really amazing. I, I was watching some cardistry videos last night, and you can easily pinpoint different folk styles. You know, you have like the sort of the names in the cardistry movement, and you can see their different influences. And it's so it seems so petty for someone to... Hey, you need to credit me because I came up with this cut or this yeah. thing. And that's the other thing, crediting. You know, it, it's still... I, I think we need to abolish crediting. And I know maybe that is kind of bold. But, <gasps> Controversy! <laughs> but look, I mean, the fact is, who cares, you know? It doesn't make any difference to your audience who created what. You would never, at the end of the show... You know, take a moment to credit where everything came from. It's just 
it's boring. It's not necessary. It's not what entertaining an audience is about. Sure, if it's a lecture, that's a place for it. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't advance the art. What advances the art is doing something better than the person who did it before you. And that's all that matters, in my opinion. You know, like, anyone is welcome to use any one of my flourishes, and I honestly could care less if I'm credited. Sure, I'm flattered, you know, but I know that if someone takes one of my flourishes and changes something about it and does it a million times better than I do, which happens all the time, I think there's a thousand kids under 12 years old that can do what I do way better than, <laughs> than I do. And it's amazing because, look, they're doing that at 12 years old. I didn't get to that point until I was like 22, 25 years old. Yeah. So I, I'm just like blown away about just thinking about what they will be able to do when, when they reach that point. And about crediting, like, when, like it doesn't matter, you know? Well, I think that's the big difference between cardistry and magic. And magic. Yeah. Is, well, and, and you said, and, and correct me if I was mistaken, or I am mistaken. But when you said there's a there's a point for it in a lecture to credit, mm -hmm. you were talking about cardistry, right? Well, so there, here's the reason. Here's the reason I say that is because the, the, the like the to me, and I I'm not really a cardist per se, or really at all. <laughs> but in a cardistry lecture, you credit. As a means of... Well, I've never been to a cardistry lecture. <laughs> well, you've given cardistry lectures. Wait, we've... we've and you've were, seen cardistry lecture notes. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so okay. all I mean is, in the cardistry community, you credit to give people other places to go learn. And that's the true spirit of what crediting should be. Right. To it shouldn't be about elitism. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I feel the disconnect is between magic and magic. yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to be credited because, oh, I did this. This is my thing. This but is I, my contribution. I also, I also think it's there's a lot of fear involved. Because, look, if your entire performance relies on the secret to something, if someone else knows that secret, then they could potentially interfere with your bookings or, God forbid, do it better than you. But that should be the goal. If you share your information, if you share your knowledge and you're challenged to do better because someone took that information and did it better than you, then guess what? Now you can see what they're doing better than you did and do it better than them. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And that's what advances in art form. And that's why I don't think it's so... That's why I want to get rid of the idea that, that not interfering with other people's intellectual property is good. I think it's bad. I think we should be inspired by what we see and challenge ourselves to do something better because that's what advances the art. I'm and, with you 100%. Yeah. But I think a lot of the people or many people would counter that with, well, what happens when they're just directly copying you and they're doing your thing, but they're not doing it as well as you? Well, guess what? You're doing it better. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's true. But if you so, and I and I do not disagree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But, yeah. So when someone says, 
uh, like Teller had the the rose trick, and um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on oh Jeff McBride's whole you know like mask routine, right? Totally ripped off, wasn't done as well. I understand where they're coming from when they say that's my. So like, I'm, I'm I'm well known for that thing. I'm specific. I'll be clear. I'm specifically talking about method or okay. technique okay. because there are sure that that involves. That involves a story. That involves a performance. And that and performances and stories can be copywritten. And I think absolutely they should be and they should be enforced. You you cannot take someone's character and and perform that on stage without per- permission. Like, you know, that's just that doesn't advance the art. And I think our our mission and our our mentality needs to be behind what how can i advance the art what can i what can i take from this this creator's method and 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 do different or make it better i think that's what it should be about because that's what, what that's where advancement comes from yeah i think that's a great distinction that you made and and something that immediately cleared up my question yeah no no i don't look if some if someone else came along and uh you know did exactly Matt King's act in in Reno, Nevada, you know, <laughs> as opposed to to Las Vegas. I I would be pissed. I'd be like, who is this douchebag like copying Matt King? That's not cool. But you know what? But at the same time, if there was a guy who was a different character and did some of the same tricks using the same method but presented it in a different way, that's totally okay. It's okay. Well, I mean. So I, I want to be very clear that it's it's not just the idea that, okay, I, I don't feel like you could take someone's effect and perform it in the same way just by and just change the character and have that be okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying how can you improve that? And I don't think changing the character is an improvement. It's just different, okay? It's not an improvement. But if you could do... I, <laughs> I've seen Max show like a hundred times, but uh, if you could do something, you know, better, whatever that means, uh, maybe maybe Max's a bad example. Yeah, Nobody yeah. can be better than Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Um, what what can you take it away? What can you make it like, you know, simpler or you know, easier to understand or more visual? You know, that that's what I'm talking about. Well, and but you can't you can't get to that point. In, in in a lot of ways you you need you need to have your base and i talked about this in the beginning like you know the books i got started with in learning about design like that was my base so you need that in order to advance just like i advanced along you need those fundamentals yeah cuz not always can you like th- there are sure you with some knowledge of of magic and how magic works you can look at a performance or you can watch an illusion and know how it works. I mean, there's there's just only so many principles. And then from there, you don't necessarily need to know exactly their method. Maybe there's a detail that you don't know about that changes everything. But you have an idea, and then you can take that and, you know... I think as long as you're striving to improve it, it it's okay. And we don't need to, you know... Well, not me, not me, but <laughs> I keep saying we, like I, I'm part of this. I, I honestly, for all I care, all of my creations are open source. But uh, oh wow, okay. 
Well, no, I mean, it's like, if someone can do it better, then... By all means. By all means. Advance the art. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's a very uh, progressive, inspiring take on it, I, I feel. I, I, I love hanging out with you because you are so... Um, uh, and I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna get real slobbery here. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna say real nice things about you, Dave. Not just because it's your birthday, um, but I yeah I love spending time with you because you you do have such a a nonchalant uh, confidence in so much as you want people to grow because they were influenced by you in some way. So you know you either. Hilton, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, you know, you either um, raise a beautiful little dog or... <laughs> Hilton wants to play fetch. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I was saying nice things about Dave. Oh, you, 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 you are open to making other people better because of, you know, who you are. And it's just like a... It's just a pleasing, pleasing feeling to be around. You know that you, you cool. Well, it's because oh, well, and I and I feel that that's because you know you you do have kind of a a wide base of knowledge. You're very comfortable with a lot of different subjects. You are, you know, um, contemplative, and you just you just kind of exude this weird like calmness. Hey, uh, okay, so here's an example. David Yannick, my best friend, <laughs> and I frequently talk about how when you and Dan are in a room, there's you can feel it. There's a, like a presence that you guys have, and we don't we we're not quite sure what it is. It may be that you guys have big eyes, but there's like <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. There's like an energy that you feel when it, it's like there's there's like an integrity. Which is weird. I, <laughs> it's so hard to articulate, but you just you just real good. You just good to be. That's around. nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my words. That's no, okay. But it, it's just you know you just you're a fully formed human being. You're a three dimensional character in the world, and it's it's pleasing to know and learn from you, and it's pleasing that you want people to learn. I think that's... Now I'm circling back around to where I was supposed to go at the beginning, where I lost my train of thought with Hilton. Um, you you want people to grow because of their interaction with you, whether that be digital and, you know, you saying all your stuff is open source, anybody can do it better, and by all means do it. But at the same time, you know, it could be in person. You're just... You're, 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 you're a positive feeling person. You know, you sort of emanate this nice calming effect that I think is is good for people even though you don't blink when you look into the camera <laughs> that's weird I don't know it's one of my superpowers <laughs> I can go minutes without blinking you guys don't know this but uh, we've been recording for an hour and ten minutes and Dave hasn't blinked one time <laughs> just kidding he blinked when I said that, so I know it's possible. At least. I, I had to prove him wrong. <laughs> well, okay, so um, what? Let's get back into magic a little bit. What are you? What are you working on? What are you? 
Is there? I mean, I, I know currently we're working on art of magic, but is there any? Is there any magic that's kind of hit you that you've seen and been like, "Oh, that's really cool." I mean, have you wanted to learn something? Or? No, you know my my uh, my draw, I guess, to learn new magic has uh, has not been around for a long time, and uh, I'm much more content in practicing dexterity and handling the cards and classic sleight of hand and the flourishes that I've created. I, I love working on those, and they make me really happy, and, and it's it's really calming and uh, fun to, to continue to develop my skill in what I already do. Because I don't... Fo- I, and the reason being is I use it as a way to sort of... Um, you know, it's almost like I, I try not to stress, but I guess sometimes inevitably I do stress. So it's like a stress reliever, or it's it's very calming, or I do it. Uh, I guess out of habit, I always have a deck of cards in my hand when I can, such as you know when I'm walking or, or driving, or during this, <laughs> or during this uh, conversation. conversation. It's more. Look, I've had I've had a deck of cards in my hand, like you know. Every day for 30 years. <laughs> Every day for, you know, since I was 11 or 12 years old. So it, it's very comfortable. And I, it's like, you know, when you wear a watch for a long time and then you take it off, you just feel naked. It's it's kind of like that, you know. Like, I just feel naked without a deck of cards. And that's, that's sort of why I continue to play around with the cards. But my focus is, my focus and my interests um, are now not so much... Uh, specific to creating magic or to creating cardistry. They're interested in advancing those art forms. So my attention and my my time and my thinking goes behind how to improve uh, and advance the art of magic and the art of cardistry, as well as our own brand, Dan and Dave. And uh, just thinking about the future and uh, putting putting procedures in place or, uh, you know, goals in place and, you know, just going for it. So for me, magic is just like, it's a part of me, you know, it's, it's a part of who I am and it's a part of what I do, but it's no longer, at least, at least not at this point in my life, uh, what I focus on. And I, and I mean, when I say that, I mean the, the actual thought of creating new magic. Um, I still think I'm creating new magic. I mean, I'm producing magic projects um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of creation. You're facilitating. That, I'm facilitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better word. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So it's not like I, I'm taking time every day to come up with new ideas. It's, although I am, <laughs> it's just not relating to a, a card plot, a, a card plot, or a flourish. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so okay, let's talk about Dan and Dave a little bit because when this comes out. You know, Art of Magic will have all of the streaming videos from DanandDave.com, and Dan and Dave will no longer be hosting those. Yeah, so, like I said at the beginning, you know, this this has been a long time coming. And one of our goals for our brand is, you know, we, we want to become sort of like a, a place for... And, and maybe it'll grow from there, but uh, a place for you know gentlemen to come 
and shop for fine accessories like items they could carry in their pocket or you know leather goods um, accent pieces accent pieces clothing you know accessories yeah. all kinds of gear for the home and the outdoors um, you know we we love all this stuff and you know we'd love to have a hand in designing all of it and Dan and Dave uh, that that is what Dan and Dave is. I mean, that's that's what it will what it will be, and we will still continue to produce higher end uh, magic apparatus like our close up pads, um, our card clips. We'll still do, still do decks of playing cards. Trainers. Um, we're slowly writing a book on all of our magic, which we will release under our brand Dan and Dave. So there's still going to be magic within the roots of our brand um, if you think about it as uh, a fashion brand with a heritage of uh, mystery and of wonder and of magic and of cards um, that's sort of the direction it's loosely the direction of our of our brand it's and interwoven yeah that. yeah there will always be magic within the brand because um, it's who we are and the, the brand will be a reflection of of our lifestyle. So we hope you like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm immensely excited about uh, about the new direction, about the pivot. Yeah, about the cool stuff that we'll be able to introduce. And, and I'm and I'm so excited because it's you know we I don't want to say have been burdened, but just technologically and financially and resourcefully burdened we have been burdened <laughs> um and it's just it's so awesome to see all of this uh in the works and i guess by the time you're listening to this it will have been uh released but it allows us so much freedom now to to really uh focus and zero in on our interests um whereas before we were sort of committed to uh, what our brand was and we didn't want to give up all the magic and that's why we created Art of Magic so that we could have a special place for it and a special place that continue that will continue to grow that was important for us we just didn't want to offload all of the magic from our, our website and uh, watch it die because it, you know that's what it would have, that's what would have happened so Art of Magic will be a working thriving hub for for magic for magicians and it will continue to grow and it will have a dedicated team and it will evolve and it will um, be a fantastic resource uh, we hope every magician will take advantage of yeah um, <laughs> I'm super excited about it for a bunch of reasons but I guess the listeners already know this it's going to be multicultural. It's going to be uh, multifaceted as far as close-up, parlor, street, stage. Well, not as much stage, but yeah. <laughs> here's how to fly a woman across well, the stage. Well, you can do mentalism on the stage. I'm just saying, you know, there's. Yeah. It's it's going to be bigger. It's going to be more traditionally magical, I guess, than than sort of the close-up. Yeah, yeah, it won't... 
it won't focus on sleight of hand card magic as Dan and Dave has. It will embrace all genres of magic. Maybe not so much stage, just because um, we that, can't really sell props. That would be like weird, that. like to have a Lance Burton download on how to vanish in a tiger or something. Like Dev Productions. Here's what you need: a tiger, a giant cage, forty assistants, a stage with a trap door. Just wouldn't make much sense. Ten thousand dollars. But uh, yeah, it will embrace, you know, magic. Like what you think of magic. It's not restricted to cards. It's not restricted to coins. There's so much more to it, um, and it will all be showcased at Art of Magic. Yeah. Cool. GF. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this has been good. I I have enjoyed this thoroughly. I have to pee. It's okay. You can go pay all. We'll just leave a recording. Listen to the stream. It's fine. Do you want me to follow you in there with the microphone? No. Okay. Uh, well, okay. We he can was serious, it. by the way. Oh, absolutely. There's. I, I'm totally serious all the time. Um, yeah. Let us let us know what you think of this early episode. Uh, we should uh, maybe mention that. This was. Did we mention this was our first one? Just to cover our ass. Can we mention it again? <laughs> yeah, we can cover it again. Uh, this is the first recording. I don't know if it's going to be the first one that we release, but it'll be one of the first few. Uh, so yeah, we're covering our aces. <laughs> Card magic. Oh no, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so this is the first recording. We're just kind of messing around, figuring it out. It'll get better, I promise. As your host, uh, I, I will provide a, a wonderful experience for you uh, over the many months to come and the many views. <laughs> and uh, so I suppose that's that. <laughs> Hilton says... On that note. Yeah, Hilton says, uh, make sure to email any questions or, you know... Get in touch with us at podcast at artofmagic.com. Um, that is an email that we have where you can reach the show. I'll read all the emails and maybe respond and maybe take some criticism and maybe just tell you to leave me alone. <laughs> not that last part. Obviously not that last part. But, yeah, uh, this is going to be fun. And, yeah, I hope you enjoyed Dave, thanks so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the series. I can't wait. I think it's a great idea. I think you're perfect for it. So, oh, he's so sweet. I, uh, <laughs> I was happy to be the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, and I was happy to have Hilton here. Yep. Oh, he didn't like that. No, he didn't. <laughs> he well, wasn't happy to be here, clearly. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for letting me do the show. Is it a show yet? <laughs> It's a show. Did you pause it? No. We're, we're still going. We're still going. So now we can now we can get real deep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we can get really deep. Really deep. See that was the that was the fake out people thought that we ended, so they shut it off and now this is where the really hardcore fans get to know the good stuff. So back to that question. What makes a good magic performance? <laughs> uh, we still don't know the answer. Here's the real secret. Uh, <laughs> the real secret is gaffes. 
The real secret is listening to every one of these podcasts. <laughs> the real secret is buying all the magic at artofmagic.com. Oh, no, I, I regret making that joke. <laughs> that's, that's gross. That's not true. That was a gross thing I did. <laughs> See? We could go on forever like this. We should probably stop wasting their time. They love it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dave. That'll be it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to Magical Thinking. If you enjoyed the show, head over to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash magicalthinking, and become a patron to support the show and get access to exclusive content like magic audiobooks, tips on style and fashion, a revamped book club, behind-the-scenes pictures and video, audio answers to your magic questions, and more. You can get in touch with me by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com. And when you're finished, head into your podcast app and leave a rating and a review for Magical Thinking. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>